Greetings and welcome to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World, a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship. This installment, Toward a Positive Peace, contains an excerpt from a talk at the 2012 Conference on World Affairs in Boulder, Colorado. Please welcome Reverend George Wolfe. I want to take off on the, the story that she told about the women who gathered together and came and marched and uh, demanded peace and uh, denied them uh, food and water. This, was the thing. See, uh, this, is, a, this is what nonviolent activism is. And uh, I, I spent a lot of time trying to explain nonviolence to people because uh, people have the impression that nonviolence is passive. Uh, but nonviolence is not passive. It comes from the Sanskrit word ahimsa, and it means action, which is taken uh, with the intent of doing no harm and having reverence for life. But the key there is action. Okay? You can be violent by not acting, by being complacent and allowing uh, injustice to, uh, to go on. So uh, uh, nonviolence requires action. It is, it is not passive. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi and uh, Martin Luther King rejected the terminology, the term passive resistance. They, Gandhi started with that term, but then he rejected it later because it was misinterpreted, interpreting what he meant. So nonviolence is active involvement. And, uh, and we also have to understand the broader definition of violence that we use in peace studies. And she, you alluded to that. Uh, we have, of course, physical violence, and most people, that's what they think of when they think of violence, physical violence. It's fairly self-explanatory. But there's also psychological violence, and psychological violence is name-calling, intimidation, uh, bullying, uh, threats, and so forth. Uh, and we see that going on a lot. And then there is what's called structural violence in, in peace studies. Structural violence is when you have a structure, like an economic structure, religious structure, political structure, social structure. It's imposed on a population, and it's, it, it, it's the type of structure which disenfranchises a certain group of people and oppresses them or discriminates against them. That's the type of, we call that structural violence. And it can be economic in its form, as often, but it also can be educational. Denying, denying equal educational opportunities to, to women, for example, is a form of structural violence. Uh, and so when we think of nonviolence and we think of, uh, of uh, issues related to justice, we need to think uh, in, that broader, in those broader terms. Uh, we generally... Uh, if we just attack problems uh, on the level of physical violence, we're being very superficial. The roots of those are really much more uh, uh, deeply found in structural violence and psychological violence. Now, of the three in the United States, which do you think uh, is the hardest to deal with? Uh, we have laws against physical violence. If I assault you, uh, you can do something about that. I'm getting legal trouble. We do have laws against uh, uh, structural violence in the sense that uh, anti-discrimination uh, laws and so forth. You know, but I can call you all the names I want. I can intimidate you verbally all I want, all I want to do, and, and it's free speech. See, So free speech is something that is a problem. Uh, it's not a problem. We should have it. But it calls on the individual to uh, uh, understand how speech can become uh, uh, fall into the category of, of, of psychological violence and actually be the root then of greater, greater conflict. Well, uh, you mentioned the, the term positive peace, which is in the title we have. And uh, 
in peace studies, we talk about positive peace and negative peace. And this, these were uh, terms which were de- developed by uh, Johan uh, Galtung, who is a Norwegian uh, peace researcher, somewhat the father of peace studies. And, of course, negative peace is the absence of conflict, the absence of war, absence. Of, but it is, uh, it is not a constructive uh, relationship. Uh, the United States and the Soviet Union during the Cold War were pretty much in a state of negative peace. There wasn't much cooperation going on. The deterrence was highly negative in the sense we both had nuclear weapons. Uh, the deterrence was a negative deterrence. Uh, now that changed somewhat when, when detente came in and we had some trade and so forth and, 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 and grain trade and so forth. But overall, during the Cold War, that's a perfect example of what negative peace is. Uh, positive peace is when you've built cooperative relationships, is when you have a collaboration going on. And uh, that can be, of course, all these can be on, on, between individuals, between organizations, or between countries. If you look at Japan in the United States, there's a great deal of positive peace that have been, has been built over the past many, uh, many years uh, in our relationship with Japan. So uh, when we move towards positive, we need to, we need to understand that Peace is not something we should be thinking of as the absence of something, but as something which is added uh, beyond so that we can have constructive, collaborative uh, relationships going on between cultures, between countries, and so forth. Um, student uh, exchanges uh, between cultures, uh, a form of positive peace building. Uh, globalization offers some pro- a lot of promise with respect to positive peace building if it's done right. Uh, if it's done exploitively, then it can actually hurt the cause. Um, the problem, of course, I, uh, in, in, in many other countries, they don't have the kind of labor, protective labor laws that we have here. And so many of our, our multinational corporations go into other countries, set up businesses and so forth, and uh, they wind up uh, having their workers work in sweatshops and so forth, and that is, that is counterproductive. Uh, even recently, you heard the story of Apple Computer, uh, it was found that they had poor working, very poor working conditions in a, a, a factory they had in China. And you would think that uh, you wouldn't expect that of Apple Computer. I mean, we sort of hold Apple uh, a, a, a real high in our uh, hierarchy of organizations. But you see how easy it can happen. We have to be very vigilant to that. If we wind up uh, in a state where we're, we're actually exploiting uh, workers, we are going to be hurting the whole uh, process of building uh, positive peace. So we need to set the example in the whole globalization move, which I think is inevitable. We need to set the example and make sure that we are uh, uh, living by example and, and, and not perpetuating uh, uh, unhealthy uh, exploitive working conditions in other countries. That's just an example of how we, we have to be vigilant towards that. Now, I've had some experience, of course, in, in uh, uh, peace building in a very local way. And uh, I, I'm a, a member of the, uh, this organization called the United Religions Initiative, which has cooperation circles around the, around the world. We have one in Muncie, Indiana. And uh, we, we get together. Uh, we have several uh, religious uh, groups re- represented in this organization, uh, Native American, Hindu, Buddhist, Jewish, Christian, Muslim, and, and Baha'i. And uh, we, we have events. We try to have events which bring people together in interfaith dialogue 
and also in uh, interfaith uh, dinners. We have uh, interfaith dinners and programs, bring speakers in and so forth. And we help collectively with a uh, food pantry uh, downtown. Um, this is an effort, a very localized effort of uh, interfaith peace building uh, in Muncie, Indiana. Uh, it, it became very crucial because a number of years ago there was a, what was called the National Day of Prayer Controversy in Muncie. Uh, there were some uh, uh, people who said some very uh, uh, negative, unhealthy things about other religious traditions when we tried to have an interfaith National Day of Prayer, which Ironically, uh, uh, Ronald Reagan instituted when he was uh, president. On, it was supposed to be on May 4th, I believe it, believe it is, or May 7th. Uh, so that became a big issue, and it was, it was, uh, it was a huge uh, conflict that was uh, covered in the Chicago Tribune and the Los Angeles Times. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was years, years ago. We've come a long way from that, and uh, much of what our cooperation circle did was to uh, write letters to the paper and write articles to clarify a lot of misinterpretations that were being thrown out about, about other religious traditions. But the remarkable thing that's gone on, we have, a, we have a, a reformed Jewish temple in Muncie, and we have a mosque. And a lady in the Jewish temple got together with a lady in the mosque, and you were talking about the role of women, and they said, hey, let's get together and once a year have a dinner. Uh, and bring the mosque and, and, the, and the Jewish uh, community together. Uh, and it's, it's been remarkable. They've done they, The first two years they did it by themselves, and then they invited others, uh, other groups to join them. And this last one we had at March 6th, I believe it was, and uh, we had uh, you know, Christian, Baha'i, Hindu, Muslim, and, uh, and Jewish all represented at this, at this uh, interfaith dinner. It was, a, it was a very beautiful event. Over 125 people came and articles were in the paper and so forth. And so we, but that's, that's building a structure, you see, and an example of how it's possible for people from diverse cultures, diverse religious traditions can work together. And that idea was instituted by uh, two women in the community. I, I bring this up, though, you know, when I used to teach, uh, I used to teach a class in Introduction to Peace Studies. I have to, I have to uh, inject a cautionary note, however. And one is that and I, I always would say to my students, um, you know, you have, women have these nurturing qualities of the caregivers, the reasons which you gave, you know, and so forth. And would it be better for them if they were, more of them were in power, or if they were in power, uh, and, and would we have less war? And, and of course, uh, the, the entire class would agree uh, based on the argument, that particular argument. And then I said, has anyone ever heard of the Falklands War? <laughs> when uh, Falkland Islands were, uh, was a... Uh, uh, territory of Great Britain, and Argentina took over the island, and without any negotiation, the the, the uh, British decided to go to war and get those islands back. And they said, "Oh yeah, they they, they 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 were all born after that, of course, but they knew something about it." And I said, "Well, who was who was Prime Minister of England when that happened?" <laughs> and of course, it was Iron Maggie. Yeah. Okay. So that's the cautionary note. And the point I try to make is what we really need to do is awaken the feminine nature within each of us. Whether it be, whether our outer uh, shell is masculine or feminine, it's the feminine nature within us. It's that caring, uh, nurturing capacity uh, that seeks reconciliation within us. That's really what we need, need to awaken. And this really is, brings about the difference between justice and reconciliation, you know, Pope, uh, Pope John Paul, I believe it was, 
uh, was famous. I don't know which number I have to put after that, but uh, he was famous for saying, um, uh, if you want peace, work for justice. Okay. Um, but we really need to go beyond justice to reconciliation. See, justice uh, is fairness, but you can be in a conflict and you can work out a just resolution, but uh, you may not be, be willing to, to work together after that. You may feel, okay, we got the conflict solved, but I'm still, I'm still uh, not going to work with you. Um, reconciliation, and this is really the goal of mediation, is to restore the working relationships. And, uh, and that requires forgiveness. Justice requires tolerance. Uh, reconciliation requires understanding and forgiveness. Let me uh, just close by reading a short passage from the Tao Te Ching, which is a scripture of a Chinese scripture, the scripture of Taoism. Taoism, as you know, as you may know, merged with Buddhism as Buddhism went into China, but Taoism predates it. This, I think, a little passage really summarizes what positive peace is. It says, There is a saying among soldiers, I dare not make the first move, but would rather play the guest. I dare not advance an inch, but would rather withdraw a foot. This is called marching without appearing to move, rolling up your sleeves without showing your arm, capturing the enemy without attacking, being armed without weapons. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Converging Streams, Interfaith Fellowship in Our Modern World. Our program is a production of the Muncie Interfaith Fellowship and is supported by our community. We thank you, our listeners and followers, for your support. To connect with Converging Streams, including listening to our entire catalog of past programs, getting our latest new content, and making your own contribution to this program, visit our website, convergingstreams.org. Converging Streams is produced by Tony Piazza and George Wolf. Thank you for listening and have a pleasant week.